0: Independent Spirit Award nominee and winner of the Sundance Film Festival Award for Editing, Gideon's Army follows the personal stories of Travis Williams, Brandy Alexander, and June Hardwick, three public defenders who are caught who are part of a small group of idealistic lawyers in the Deep South challenging the assumptions that drive the criminal justice system strained to the breaking point. Biked by their mentor Jonathan Rapp rapping, a charismatic leader who leads the Southern um, public Defender Training Center, also now known as Gideon's Promise, they struggle against long hours, low pay, and a staggering caseload so common that even the most committed public defenders often give up in their first year. The director and producer of Gideon's Army joins us today on Film School, Don Porter. Don, welcome to Film School.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be
0: here. I am thrilled to have you uh, for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, certainly a wonderful documentary um, about these people who uh, often are ridiculed, belittled, thought to be sort of an uh, kind of a, a, a afterthought in a criminal justice system, um, but are amazing, dedicated people. Tell us a little bit about the sort of the genesis of uh, the idea behind doing Gideon's Army as a documentary.
1: Well, I am a lawyer but I was never a public defender and I think like a lot of people I didn't really have any idea what public defenders did. Um I didn't understand how many people they represent. Um but the, the, the biggest kind of driver for me was um I kept coming back to why would anybody want to be a public defender? Because I kept meeting these public defenders who would say they love their job. Mm-hmm. And that was so interesting to me, um, you know, the, the stereotype uh, is exactly what you just said. Um, it does not seem like glamorous work. And so I kind of, I really wanted to find out why would these bright young people who could do anything, why are they going to choose to defend people accused of terrible crimes?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, talk a little bit about, it. you just mentioned that you're you, uh, an attorney uh, by uh In in your in your past, how did you transition from attorney to filmmaker? What was that?
1: Um, Well, I was working Uh. for I had worked for ABC um, News for five years as director of standards and practices, and then I worked for A and E Television um, doing the same job. Mm. And in that job, I worked with producers and um, program development. And I started to see what makes a really good story. Um, But while I saw some terrific producers and directors, I I thought there's other stories that I would be interested in that I think other people would be interested in um, that I wasn't seeing. Mm -hmm. So so I, you know, like a lot of people, I was like, I could do that. (laughs) Um, How hard could it be? Well, Well, it's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it's kind of like sometimes... It's good what you don't know. Um, So when I met the public defenders, I met Jonathan Rapping. He invited me to Birmingham, Alabama, where he does this boot camp for young public defenders. And when I saw these young people, I, I mean, it sounds so goofy, but they just changed my life. I just thought, I've never seen anything like this i've never seen lawyers who are so happy and committed and energetic and just raring to go and i i was really just driven by being curious about what motivated them and i thought you know other people eventually i was like other people will be interested in this too but really at first i was just like i just want to kind of explore with them why do you do this and what is it like for you
0: yeah. I wanna set this up a little bit because the film is called Gideon's Army and by the way we're speaking with a director, producer and a lot of other things in the film. Well, you were you were a shooter as well and, and other stuff, so it's uh you were fully committed. But uh Gideon's Army is a nominee for a Film Independent Spirit Award. It did win an award at the Sundance Film Festival in two thousand and thirteen for editing, I believe. Um, and it's uh Go to Rotten Tomatoes. It's a hundred percent. I mean, this is a very well-regarded film and uh, and and such. Um, but the story of Gideon uh, goes back to a Clarence Earl Gideon who was arrested for stealing soda and a few dollars from a pool hall, and because he could not afford an attorney, he was convicted. Um, and uh, after representing himself at a trial, this he appealed the conviction to the Supreme Court, and hence, uh, because of the Supreme Court decision. Um, everyone is entitled to a legal defense, and therefore, this is where public defenders came from. Yeah, is that do I have that about right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, it's really one of the most remarkable stories. It's such an American story. Yeah. Um, you know, Gideon appears in court. He's accused of theft. He asks for a lawyer the judge says, you're not entitled to a lawyer under Florida law. Um, he was a Florida citizen. Mm-hmm. And so the judge, they hold a trial, and he gets convicted and sent to prison. And while he's in prison, he's got a lot of time, and he does research on his own. And you got to remember, this was not a guy with a college education. I think he had some high school. Mm-hmm. So he, he hand-writes a letter to the Supreme Court and at the time, you know, you've got to remember back to the 1960s. So this is the civil rights period. It's the activist Warren Court. Yeah. The Supreme Court at the time was looking for a way, a case to take. Um, so Gideon got convicted at the right time. But he also, you know, submitted his petition, and the court took his handwritten letter and granted certiorari, which means they agreed to hear the case, um, but then they, they do something remarkable. They appoint one of the best constitutional lawyers in the country, Abe Fortas, who would yeah. go on to become a Supreme Court justice.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, Abe Fortas argues the case, um, and in a 9-0 to zero decision, the court agrees that the right to a lawyer is fundamental to a fair trial. So it's the Sixth Amendment that's at issue. Um, you know, and we're all familiar with the you have the right to an attorney That's because of this case, and it's only 50 years old, and Mm -hmm. it's only because the court took Gideon's handwritten petition. So I love that story so much because I think it is um, really showing our democracy in action. not always perfect, but sometimes it works.
0: It is a remarkable piece of American history that's been buried, in in my opinion, Uh, and it's such an important—you're right, it's such an American— uh, story and unfortunately, in my also in my opinion, these kinds of stories don't seem to be as frequent or as long, um, impactful as his. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to believe that we lived in a world uh, in, in a society up till that period of time in the in the early sixties, where if you couldn't afford an attorney, did you just represent yourself or were you at the mercy of the prosecutor? Is that basically what it was?
1: Exactly, the prosecutor and the judge, and you know it is. Um so hard for us to imagine today, but that's part of the beauty of the story, is it is so ingrained in our sense, our collective sense of what's fair and right, that we can't imagine a situation where that's not the case. And so that brings us full circle to today, where if we believe that a lawyer is fundamental to a fair trial... Then we should believe that giving them the resources to to do their jobs is also fundamental, and that's the battle that we're still fighting. That's the war that hasn't been won yet.
0: And I think again, and I'm going to throw in some statistics here. There are more than 12 million people arrested in the United States every year, uh, and most of them, the most, the majority. I don't know what the percentage is. Are representative eighty percent, eighty percent of, 80% of fifth, 12, 12 yep. million people. So do the math. We're some. We're talking about over. Around ten million or more of these cases are represented by public defenders, which and there's a total of fifteen thousand public defenders, which may sound like a lot of people, but tell us a little bit about their caseload of generally speaking for the public defenders.
1: Well that's that's an arrest statistic. So, so not all of those no, that's true. are gonna that's go true. forward. <clears throat> that's true. Um but there are millions of cases that do go forward. There's about five million that so twelve million people get arrested. That statistic, by the way, that's from the FBI. That is not from the ACLU or mm. people looking to inflate numbers. That mm-hmm. is a government. Those are the numbers of people in America who are arrested. When some cases are dismissed, they're not prosecuted, but there's about 5 to 6 million that go forward every year. And of those, that's where you get the 80% number. Tanya. So across the country, public defenders are representing, um, You know, on average, 100, 150 cases at a time. And those are felony charges. Mm -hmm. They also have caseloads of a couple hundred misdemeanor charges. And misdemeanors, I think, are one of the most, the least understood kinds of criminal culpability out there. The fact that it's a misdemeanor does not mean it's not serious. Right. A misdemeanor conviction can also lead to a lot of really serious consequences for your life. Mm-hmm. But going back to the caseload question, um, you know, when I do speaking events, I ask people, now imagine that you are the lawyer for a person. You've got to investigate, prepare for trial. How many cases could you do at one time? Mm-hmm. And people say one, three. Some people say T- I could do ten yeah. at, this yeah. so yeah. at one time. Imagine having 160 at one time. It's absolutely impossible to do the kind of lawyering that everybody agrees should be done. Um, And so 160 is, it's a lot, but it's not the craziest number. Some of the craziest numbers are in Florida. Again, ironic that it's Gideon's home state, um, where the numbers were 500 felonies. There was one uh, defender who said he had 971 documented felonies cases he was handling at one time. No,
0: that's insane. That plus, can't be done.
1: It's insane, plus 300 uh, misdemeanor cases. The Supreme Court of Florida recently decided that those numbers are so egregious that the public defender could start to uh, start declining cases, which is unheard of. You know, the thing about being a public defender, you don't get to decline cases. You are the government attorney, and that's those are the pressure points that we're seeing with so many more people being arrested because of Get Tough zero-tolerance, war on drugs. We're having all of those people who are poor people brought into the system, and we just keep dumping them on public defenders. And some courts are starting to say enough. This can't continue to happen. So what the enough is going to be, we don't know because the people need representation. They're constitutionally entitled to it. And that's kind of the crisis point that we're at right now.
0: Yeah, and, and just as you said, I mean, it may be unheard of to this point, but it's easy to imagine in the not-too-distant future where you are talking about it as a pressure point where where these public defenders can say, I can't do this. And this would, I don't know how much of a wrench that would be into the judicial system, but it would certainly get a lot of people's attention if, if this suddenly became more of a norm than, than it is. Well, that's, uh,
1: that's exactly right. You know, and another fact to throw into this mix is the number of cases that are plea bargained. Yeah. So that number is 97% yeah. in the federal system and 93 to 95% in the state system. So just imagine if nobody would plea bargain anymore. It would be absolutely impossible to have that number of trials if all of those millions of people said we want our day in court, which, by the way, I think is what most people think happens. You know, we all watch Law and Order. Right. And we think everybody's getting their trial.
0: Right. They,
1: yeah. five, three to five percent of people get a trial, and most of them are not poor people.
0: Uh, so I think
1: it says a lot about our system about who's getting their day in court and their adequate representation.
0: We're speaking with Dawn Porter. She's the director producer of the film, the documentary uh, "Gideon's Army," and you, you. Every time you, you know, you mention something, you really need. There's there's another half hour discussion uh, that you could go into, which is, yes, you know, three to five percent of these things go to trial, but what the Uh, prosecutors will often do, especially at the federal level, but I'm sure at the state level as well, they'll say, okay, you want to go to trial, then you know what? If we convict you, it's a mandatory 10, 20, 30 years. If you want to plea bargain, you can plea bargain out at five or four or three, but you go to trial and we win, you're dead, basically.
1: That's that's right. And, you know, I think um, for many of us, It's inconceivable that somebody would plead guilty, particularly when prison is the option, to something they didn't do. But when you start to think about the risk, um, so is right, uh, one of the cases that we followed in the film, he, he was charged with armed robbery, which in Georgia is a minimum sentence of 10 years, no parole for the robbery, minimum of four years for the gun. It's a maximum of life. So he's facing 14 to life for allegedly stealing $250. If the prosecutor offers you anything less than 14, it's very difficult to resist that. Oh, yeah. You know, in his case, they offered him ten years, and so he goes to trial.
0: Right. Well, and then then you get into the politics of this. You have you know DAs run on their conviction rates. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no one questions judges the... are
1: elected, yeah. and nobody wants to be yeah. Willie Horton. Nobody right. wants to right. be the soft on crime judge or right. prosecutor or governor.
0: Right, that's right. And then and then and and the police have you know. Look, I, I'm I'm a, all in favor of great law enforcement. Well, of course, I don't want to make it sound like I'm in, advocating for chaos here, but but cops are rarely questioned their veracity. Juries tend to agree with police, uh, often when there's virtually no physical evidence. The system is completely rigged towards a conviction, and it's getting worse and worse all the time.
1: You know, it really is, and I say to people all the time, um, I am not a person who doesn't believe in prison, who doesn't right. believe in punishment. What I believe in, though, is fairness, and yeah. that's why we started the film with Travis, one of the lawyers, saying, if you want to take my liberty, you've got to do it right, because that's, that's what our system is based on.
0: Yeah. So and
1: I- if you're going to do something as severe as locking somebody up and stripping them of their rights, possibly forever, yeah. we should give them fair process. Right. That's yeah. what our, our our system of government is based on.
0: That's right. And so
1: the idea that we're not doing that, that we think that that's inconvenient. You know, I, I love the, the uh, quote, the Constitution's not a technicality. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Know, right. Adhering
1: to its principles is not something that we should shrug off lately. Um, I want to throw in a couple of other facts sure. uh, for people um, to begin to get a full picture So of the 2.3 million people in prison, a million and a half of them are in prison for drug crime. That's right. There are not a million and a half drug kingpins. (laughs) These are people who are in often for simple possession. So, you know, the violent crime is actually the, the smallest percentage that we are incarcerating people for. And that's what I think most of us, we want to use our resources to... Try and convict if they're guilty. People who have committed violent crimes, yeah. people who have actually, you know, seriously violated our social compact. But that's not what we're spending our resources to do. We're going after often low-level drug offenders.
0: The the sad fact of American judicial life today, criminal um, uh, managing or the criminal po- whatever uh, the, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say, the crime rate and all is the United States is now the highest rate of incarceration in the world. We uh, are number one. <laughs> uh, California is even a higher uh, rate of incarceration. It, it, if you just took California out of the equation for the United States, we would be the third largest criminal population in the world. It's, and that it, would
1: drop us below just below Russia. Right. So number two is China. China. And number three is Russia. And these are not countries that value human rights. These are not the right. human rights. Company, I think we want
0: to be in. California's mandatory sentencing laws have recently been somewhat uh, mitigated. And by the way, that was one of the, my favorite quotes from your film, uh, Gideon's Army. Was one of the public defenders early on in the film says basically, we're here to basically minimize the punishment. We're not, re- right. even the idea of really a, a finding justice in these cases is almost off the table. It's just how can we mitigate the the pain that's going to be inflicted on on our clients.
1: Right, that was something that um, Brett said. And, you know, Brett is like, he becomes our wise man yeah. Yeah. of the film, yeah. and yet he's only five years out of law school yeah. at the time that he's, you know, kind of that wise, sage elder. Um, and I, I really wanted to include that particular quote and um, that particular sentence, observation, because I think that starts to help people understand the – job from the view of a public defender mm. so we all know what a bad public defender is and I'm, yeah. I'm also not here to say that they're all great because they're not right. um, I wish they were but they're not but what if you want to do a good job and right. that's what I was interested in what does it feel like if you want to do a good job and I think Brett's quote there puts, gives you a lot of perspective yeah. if you want to do a good job and you quickly realize you're not going to be slaying dragons, no. you're not going to be getting people off who should be off you're going to be um, you know maybe slowing down the machine that's steamrolling yeah. Um, and how did that feel?s For them, I think that's what I was really interested in as a filmmaker. Uh,
0: you know, my my biggest regret in in uh, having you on the show today is that I didn't devote the entire show to this film and to to talking to you about this because well, I appreciate we, all the time you we we our, we our
1: full attention you've given it. I really appreciate. Well,
0: it. Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I, I'm really truly this is a this is a a, a subject as near and dear to me as someone who and outside of uh, being here at the radio sh- uh, station has uh, has spent a lot of time looking at these issues and and being trying to be part of the solution and not part of the problem on these and it, it it's it, it there is so much to be gleaned from your film Gideon's army and just to get the visceral feel to get to know Travis and Brandy and June what they're up against what they struggle with how they go about the uh, the dignity and the and the respect they have for the system and that's another thing I think it gets lost. These people actually have a lot of respect for our judicial system. It's it's just at such an unfair disadvantage. It's,
1: they it's, do. You know, I say to people all the time, I'm like, what more patriotic thing yeah. could you do than to think about the Constitution every day? Yeah. About the least popular people and commit to defending them.
0: All right. Well, in just in the last minute, um, uh, the film, again, is Gideon's Army. How can people watch it? Well, I know there's the website. Tell us a little bit about in, background information here.
1: Um, it's available on HBO Go. Okay. Um, HBO broadcasted the film in July. Um, and the beginning of March, it'll be on iTunes. So I hope everyone will download it and teach it and share it and talk yeah. about it. Um, and they can organize
0: parties around this? They can organize
1: parties. We have a partnership with Tug. Um, if yeah. you'd like to bring the film to your community, um, you can organize. Uh, you don't pay. You you commit to getting tickets at your local theater, right, right. Um, and you can do a Tug
0: and and are you are you planning on coming out for the uh, Spirit Awards?
1: I am coming out for the Spirit Awards. Dress purchased.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful, Don. I it, honored to, to have the opportunity to talk to you. The film Gideon's Army, um, and you, and also you've got a film coming out. Uh, actually, it's, it seems to be rolling out right now as we speak. Tell us just briefly what that is.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's a different, a historical film, Eyes yeah. of Mississippi, yeah. um, and. It, Essentially, in the late 1950s, as a response to Brown versus Board of Education, the, uh, the school desegregation decision. Um, Mississippi established what became the largest domestic spy operation, and it was all to stop the civil rights movement. They
0: infiltrate the
1: NAACP, and they used African Americans as their secret weapon to stop civil
0: rights. Ah, God. Well, somewhere down, down the road here, I hope uh, you'll entertain the idea coming back, because this is just... Thank you for your work. Thank you for well, this thank film. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing Spies of Mississippi, but right now it's Gideon's Army um, and all the best uh, when I uh, uh, March 1st, 2nd, whatever it is, uh, out here in Los Angeles. Yep, March 1st. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar.